start with the set aside prayer. God, please set aside everything I think I know about you, God, the steps, recovery, the big book, what's best for me, what's best for others, especially help me let go of all my old ideas so I can live on your spiritual truth. Heavenly Father, have mercy on me, a sinner. Help me to carry your message tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Okay, we've reached the, uh, I don't know when we started the book over, six months ago or so, and we're we're on page 59 of how it works. We've done two meetings on what's led up to the steps in the program. And what I usually do now is I go through these steps and how they're related and, and, uh, and then we'll move on and read the rest of the chapter probably Saturday on this part. This is how it works. This is how we find the power to live. When I label it, I call it the how it works preamble. This is the what's read at meetings but a lot of meetings it's read on a card. It's in the book. There's 57 pages in Doctor's Opinion before you get to the How It Works, which is steps one and two. And they assume when you get here that you've done steps one and two. And then, uh, but we'll go through what, what those steps uh, in a minute. Uh, we talked about last time uh, just a quick review. The first paragraph that's read every meeting is about honesty. How you, can you be honest? How can you be capable of complete honesty? See the truth about yourself. See that you're in need of God. See that you can't do this. Then they tell us that if you want what they have, which was recovery from alcoholism, then you have to be willing to go to any length to get it. Any length. To get the power a new way of life. And then, then you're ready to take certain steps. You can't take the steps until you're completely ready to do it, completely defeated, because it, it, they just don't follow through. It's been my experience. I, I try to get people through the steps quickly when I work with them, but I, uh, the mistake I've made through the years is that I think they've taken step one, but they really haven't. And so we spend some time on that. We'll talk about it in a minute. And then it says, there's no easier, softer way. We want it, but there's none. And uh, the result's nil if I hold on to my old ideas. And what are my old ideas? Everything that I think I know. All my resentments, all my fears, all my uh, self-centered thinking, uh, my ideas about what's best for me, what's best for you. Um, there's so many old ideas, and I keep seeing new ideas all the time that I need to let go of. Um, and then it says, uh, God, alcohol is all powerful. It has power over me. So, Hunter, um, hand me that bottle. So pretend this is alcohol. It's in, a, it's in a bottle. How can it have power over me? It's ridiculous, isn't it? Well, how does it have power over me? Because this will relieve how I feel. This will change how I see the world. And I know that. And if I'm irritable, restless, and discontented, I'm living life on self-will, things aren't going well, my mind will say, I've got a solution to this. Get a drink. Now the problem is if I'm a real alcoholic, which I am, when that comes into my mind, I don't have any power over it. Because I'm only thinking about what it's going to do for me, not to me. So I could have just gotten out of jail with a DUI, uh, just been bailed out, and if my mind says, boy, life really sucks, let's get a drink, and I think about what's going to do for me, my willpower won't work. 
because I can't think of what it's going to do to me. And that's why I'm powerless over alcohol. It says in the book that at certain times we have no defense against the first drink. And it doesn't say new alcoholics or old alcoholics. So I need a power that gives me the power over alcohol. And that's God. And so now today I've spent <coughs> some time working the steps, living this life. And today if I think of alcohol, I immediately say bad idea. Just bad idea. It's not going to do anything for me any better than my life is right now. But that requires working these steps. So it says without help, it's too much for us. Anybody agree with that? And then it tells me who has all power. That's God. Some people don't like the word God. Too bad. Uh, that's what we call one who has all power. You can call it whatever you want, but that's, that's who it is in AA. We're not defining a religious God. We're defining God who has all power. It says, may you find him now. Why do you need to find God now? Because you don't have any power and you're living sober. How are you going to keep from drinking? And in the now is where God is. God is right in the moment. Now, I'm with God right at the moment. But if I bring fear in, then I'm not with God. I'm in fear, which is wrong belief. Anybody ever do that? You're sitting in a chair, you bring fear in. Wow, how'd that work for me? No. So, or if I'm not bringing fear in, I'm bringing a resentment or irritation or anger in. And in that moment, they have power over me, not God. And that's why we have to move the fear and the resentments out of ongoing time so I'm right in the now. And that's what the steps are designed to do. Give me a way of living so I can stay in contact with God in the now. I start to get fear, I say bad ideas, say the fear for fear, removal for fear, angry prayers to relieve me of anger, six and seven, get rid of my character defects, stay in the now. That's the whole deal. Because when I'm in the now, this has no power over me with God. I'm not in the now, it's got power. So my, my, my thing is that I have no power, but I choose to seek the power that gives me power. I choose to seek God. I heard that once, it was years ago, uh, Mark Houston, I think he's passed away. But he said that and I said, wow. So we wanna seek the power that gives me choice. I never have the ability to choose not to drink on my own because I'm an alcoholic, but with God, I have the power of choice. And then it says, I'm going to ask his, half measures won't do us any good. Anybody agree with that? We, have, we should have like a half measures meeting. And uh, we're joking, but I don't realize that half measures won't work because I need God. And it says, I'm going to abandon myself completely to God in the, in the next couple of pages with the third step. And so I ask his, protection and care with complete abandon. I need his protection and care for myself, for my thinking, from not drinking. So here are the steps they took, which are suggested as a program of recovery. And in the original one, it was, they put suggested as your program of recovery, but they took it out. But it's the only program of recovery AA has. There are maybe other programs of recovery, that's fine. This is the program that they did, and if I want what they had, then I want to do this. Now, Joe and Charlie make the point that when I do the steps, I have to follow the specific directions that they give in the book if I want their cake. I'm baking a cake, and these are the directions on how to make their cake. And their cake gave them a relationship with God, the obsession to drink was removed, and they had a power to live. 
Now, if I don't follow these directions and I change them a little bit, then I'm making my cake. And I may not have what they have. And that made a lot of sense to me. And so we will be going through those directions in the next few weeks in detail as we go through the book. So these are the steps we took, which is a program of recovery. Now, a lot of people say they're in the program. Have you heard that? And you can't be in the program. You're either doing this program or not. You can be in the fellowship in a group of people who are seeking God together, but there's only one program of recovery in AA, and it's the steps. Now, the, the steps, you've, you've walked up the stairs, haven't you? If you walk halfway, you're not at the top. And these steps are designed to bring you from a life run on self-will, where uh, my life is a complete mess, to a life where I have a relationship with God. I don't have to live in fear and anger. I can be at peace, and I can get undisturbed with his power, and I don't have to drink. When my emotions get out of control, I go to God. He fixes my emotions. I don't need alcohol anymore. And so the first step is we admitted we're powerless over alcohol. It doesn't say I'm an alcoholic. Uh, the, the first step in recovery, not the steps, is on uh, page uh, in uh, more about alcoholism. It says we had to uh, fully concede to our selves that I'm an alcoholic. And uh, the idea that I may be like normal people has to be smashed. Now, they've explained up to that point, I think it's page 40, 44, what an alcoholic is. An alcoholic is someone who can't control how much they drink. They've lost the power of control. Anybody have that? Because we have an allergy. So if we put alcohol in my body, I'm going to want more. So when we go to the liquor store, usually when we start to drink again, we don't go and get like a little one of those little things. I never bought one of those little things. People buy them. I don't know why. People know what I'm talking about, the little, the little bottles, like they have on the airplane. Uh, we buy because we know we need enough, because we can't control how much. And then the other thing I have is I can't live sober without wanting to drink. And I have no power not to drink. And so that makes me powerless over alcohol. So from that, being an alcoholic, I admit I'm powerless over it. And dash that our lives have become unmanageable. I heard some speakers say that we die on the hyphen. We die on the hyphen between our lives have become unmanageable and we're powerless over alcohol. We can't see the connection. And the connection is that my lives have become unmanageable by me. And when I'm running my life, I don't like the way it's going. Anybody have that problem? People don't follow my directions. Uh, people don't treat me right. They don't understand me, my motives. I don't get what I need for approval, blah, 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 blah. Then I fear irritable, restless, and discontented. And my emotions build up. And then when my emotions build up and I'm an alcoholic, I have no defense over that drink. Now, people are different. Some people can go a long time with their emotions before they drink. But if you're an alcoholic, it says in the book, and it's been my personal experience, that I will drink again. And so I can't manage my life anymore. And it's, and it's not uh, after I drink. It's, I can't manage my life sober. And if I do that, then I will drink again. There's a relation between the two. And the other thing they left out in the big book, my life had become unmanageable by me. I used to think it was other people. When I came in here, anybody else have other people when you came in here that made your life unmanageable? 
No, I was the only one. Paula had a few. Debbie had a couple. Debbie had more than a couple. I had a whole bunch. But it was me. Now, I didn't realize that till I started working step three in the book and understood it. Then I came to believe that there's a power greater than me that can restore me to sanity. And what that means is it puts me in my right mind. One thing I forgot to add is that the, the steps didn't come from AA. Uh, they didn't come from an AA member sitting down. The steps came from the Oxford group. The Oxford group had six steps. And these steps they had designed, they were a group of Christians who wanted to practice the principles in the New Testament. And they came up with six steps so that they could live a life connected to God and do his will. And we took the six steps and we made it into 12. We added a couple about willingness and this and that. We'll talk about that. And so the, the steps came from the Oxford group. The, the solution came from Dr. Carl Jung in Switzerland, a spiritual change. And the, um, the, the problem, what our problem is, came from Dr. Silkworth. So none of this came from AA members. And I believe it all came from God. And if you've listened, the hand of God and how we got this book and how we got this information. And so sanity, sanity regarding alcohol. I want to be able to see the truth about alcohol before I drink it. And I want to see the truth about my thinking, my fears, my resentments, my decisions. Then um, if you've done that, you're still an alcoholic and you ha don't have any power yet. But you need to take that first step 100%, they say. I think that's really true every day. And the other thing is, I don't want to forget how bad it was the day I decided to not drink again. Now, I didn't really decide that. I, it was decided for me by, by circumstances. The walls were caving in, and I was surrendered. My life was a complete effing mess. And I gave up, and I asked God to help me. And that was the beginning. And I don't want to forget how bad it was. And then. Um, I've now made a decision, and the question on the second step is on page 47. So I've taken those first two steps, they hope. So now I need to make a decision. And I'm deciding to turn my will, which is my thinking and my life over that, my actions over the care of God. Isn't that a good idea? Since I can't manage my life, and if I manage it, I'm going to drink and my life's going to mess. So I'm going to decide to do that. And it, in the book, it says, why do I need to stop playing God? And they give you two pages to show how we play God. Why do we need to stop playing God? Anybody know? We're not God. It took me a while. I knew it didn't work. And I had to stop playing God. But then one day it says, well, gee, I'm not God. I mean, it seems so simple. And I was playing God, but I'm not. I was the actor running the world. And it should, I should not be the act, actor directing the world. The director should be God. And when we do that, it says on page 63, our lives change just from that decision. And we have a new, a new uh, director, and we have a new father, God. And we work for God. He's our employer now. And we, get the, and we make a contract with God in the third step on page 63. And I had, did that tonight with uh, Chris. God gives me everything I need. That's his job. And I get... I get everything I need from God, and then what do I have to do? I have to stay close to him and do his work well. And I have to have God as my director. Now, I don't know how to stay close to him and do his work well. That's the, what the rest of the pages are, from page 63 to page 88, 25 pages.
should how, how you live a spiritual life and you don't have to drink again. Your life becomes manageable. And so, and then here's a bonus. In that contract, God gets worry. I don't have to worry anymore. It's God's job. Isn't that great? Anybody worry a lot when you came in here? And why do you worry today? It's not my job. It's God's job. I work for God. He's my employer. And then we've made this decision. We've taken the first two steps, but we're still, we still don't have any power. And so if there are three birds that decide to fly away, where are they? Are they on the tree or are they flown away? They're still in the tree. So the decision won't do me any good unless I start taking the actions. And actions four through nine are designed to get me into a new world. When I came in here, I was in the wrong world. I was in my world that I created, consciously created it to try to make my life better. I messed it up. And the real world is where God's in charge. And we want to move out of that world into God's world. That's the world of the spirit. That's on page 84. So I have to do the work from this page to 84 to get in the world of the spirit. And in the world of the spirit, it says, uh, I'm being in a position neutrality towards alcohol as long as I'm in fit spiritual condition. I won't be in conflict with everybody and everything. And that's the world I want to live in. And steps 10, 11 is how I stay in there. So to make the first thing I need to do is step four. So we say the third step prayer, and it says, next and once, we launched in the course of vigorous action. Many of us have never attempted. And what are we trying to do? We're trying to face and be rid of the things that are blocking me from God. Now, I didn't realize that I was blocking God out, but I was, and we were going to face and be rid of them in step four. And we're going to see the truth about my thinking. It says I'm going to take a searching and fearless moral inventory of myself. I'm going to see the truth about my thinking. And what do we inventory? It says we in, in, inventory the manifestation of a life run on self-will. So how does it look if I'm living on self-will? I'm full of fear, I'm full of resentments, and I made a lot of bad decisions. Anybody do that? And so in step four, we learn how to be free of anger. We see the truth about it. We list our resentments. And we learn how to say prayers and see people that they may be constitutionally ill just like us. And how can I have love, patience, and tolerance for them? How can I be helpful? God save me from being angry. Give me a kind and tolerant view. And I still do that today. Somebody disturbs me, I just say, well, they're who they are, say the four prayers, not be disturbed. And then we learn in the process of doing those resentments, how, what mistakes did I make that caused the resentment? What, was, what did I do? And, and I could see I was always inconsiderate, I was judgmental, I was intolerant, impatient all these character defects I could see. And I could see specific actions I did. And then I see those people differently, and then I can see how they harm them so I can be willing to make amends in eight and nine. So you get a lot out of just doing the inventory process on step four for resentment. Then we look at fear. And I didn't realize I had fear my whole life, and I didn't realize why I had fear until I read the book. And you know what it said? I had an evil and corroding thread through the whole tapestry of my life, and it was fear. And I read that, we read it, and then I could finally see it, that if you, if you look at Michael Hurwitz's tapestry when I came in here, they have those big tapestries in Italy and they hang up on the, you can see them in museums. And mine had this evil and corroding thread that just destroyed it, it was fear. I didn't see it. I had fear my whole life, and why? It says why I had fear, because I was relying on self. 
And as soon as I rely on me in any area of my life, I have fear. So it tells me for fear, I have to live a different way, trusting and relying on God, not myself, and on a different basis. And I didn't know how to do that. And then it tells me that uh, I can handle calamity with serenity if I stay close to God and let him work through me. So when my son died, on page 68 is this line that I could see at the bottom of the steps when I got the call. It says, just to the extent that I do as I think he would have me and humbly rely on him, can I match calamity with serenity? And that's true. If I stay close to God and rely on him, I can get through anything. And then we learn the prayer for fear. God, remove my fear and direct my attention to how I should be. And we're going to go through those instructions in the coming uh, meetings. And then step five is where you go through that. And we also do sex inventory, relationships inventory. And some people do all that and then go to someone and they, they read it. I do it with the sponsee as, I'm, as we're doing it. We go through the resentments. We go through the fears. We go through the relationships. We list our character defects. And we admit to God, to ourselves, and other humans being the exact nature of my wrongs. And the exact nature of my wrongs was my character defect, defects like that are listed on our spiritual checklist, impatience, intolerance, and consideration, anger, fear, lust, envy, self-pity, the whole deal. They're triggered by a life when I'm running the show. And we use that information in steps six and seven. It says, I'm t entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Well, I don't want them anymore. And we have our card. I used to have, I had some extras that I brought, but it's on the site, spiritual checklist. And see, I, I don't want to keep any of those character defects anymore. So I, 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 I'm willing to have God remove them all. And then I humbly ask him to remove these shortcomings. Now, what is a shortcoming? A shortcoming is these defects, I'm short of God's character. So when I'm practicing in consideration, I'm short of God's consideration. So it's, I'm short of the opposite. I talk about love, patience, kindness, tolerance, considerate, compassion. That's how God, that's how God wants me to be. He doesn't want me to be angry, intolerant, fearful, lustful, intolerant, judgmental, impatient, any impatient people here. And I don't want to practice those. Now, six and seven, you do all the time. It's not one step where you read these things. I have to do it every minute. If I'm in line at uh, Walmart and somebody, I just have uh, potato chips I buy for my wife, and somebody's in front of me with coupons, and she's got a gift card. She only wants to use half of it, and I'm waiting to check out. Now, that used to bother me because I'm Michael Hurwitz the Magnificent. I shouldn't have to wait. They should take me right away. Anybody else understand that? But now I just say, gee, I'm glad she has a gift card. I'm glad she has coupons. It's a whole change in attitude. It may not be a good example, but it makes sense to me. So I don't have to get disturbed by things anymore, and I don't have to practice my character defects. And I still do. But we have, uh, in steps 10, 11, we watch for these character defects. And when they come up, we ask God at once to remove them. And then steps 8 and 9, you've already made your harms list when you've done your step 4. And I want to make amends to such people where possible. And I made a list of them. And I'm willing to make amends to everybody. Now, that's very important. I had to see everybody I harmed in my life. That I, I didn't have to go through every one, but I harmed a lot of people. And what do I get when I'm willing to make amends? Now, 
I'm willing to do that because I see them differently now because I've taken the actions and the inventory a step forward that I don't hate these people anymore. I'm not judging them. I, I see that where I harm them and I'm willing to make amends. If I do that, then I say that if anybody walks through that door that I've harmed, I'm willing to make amends to them. So I don't have fear of people anymore. I don't have to fear them because I'm willing to make amends. Now, it says you don't have to make amends if it's going to injure them or others. That's why you don't do eight, nine until you do the other steps. You go through it with a sponsor, and then you go through each amends. And you're not, you're not asking for forgiveness. You're asking to amend the relationship. How can I make this relationship right? And a lot of time, it's living amends. Live the spiritual life. Treat them with love, patience, kindness, tolerance, considerate compassion. And then you get to step 10, which is where you continue to take personal inventory when you're wrong promptly admitted it. Now, what, what I get out of that today is that I'm always inventorying my thinking. And when I'm wrong, I promptly admit it to God, and he changes my thinking. So it says on page 84, step 10, we've entered the world of the spirit. We watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. When these crop up, we ask God at once to remove them. And there are very specific instructions in one paragraph on page 84, how to live the spiritual life through the day. And then it tells us um, uh, what we get and how if we stay in fit spiritual condition, we're in a recovered from alcoholism. And it tells us how we seek a vision of God's will in all of our activities. Then step 11 is we're going to continue this process of getting closer to God and getting more of his power then I'm going to use prayer meditation to improve my conscious contact with God and praying only for knowledge of his will for me and the power to carry that out. And on pages 84 to 88, five, five pages are the uh, specific instructions how to live the spiritual life, 84 to 88 on practice 10, 11. Then we have a whole chapter on uh, step 12 and on working with others. But it says, if I've done this, I've had a spiritual awakening. I have a relationship with God now. I've awakened the spirit in me. I'm aware of it. I have him as a director and when I go to him. And that's the result of the steps. You get this power that I didn't have. And this power will keep me from drinking and it'll help me uh, manage my life. But the problem is there's a warning label. It's not a permanent thing. It's not like I, I gave chemotherapy to someone, I eradicated their Hodgkin's disease, it's gone. We don't do that with the steps. We, we control it. And when it starts to grow, we go to God, and God uh, shuts it down. So it's a continuous process of recovery, monitoring the way I think and act. And then it says, I try to carry this message to alcoholics. That's the only message I have, is that if you do this, you'll have a spiritual awakening. I believe that. That's why I started this meeting after my son died. Uh, God said, well, why don't you teach the big book? And maybe people can do this, and they don't have to die at 4 in the morning of uh, this disease. And then the third thing in the 12th step, it's not mentioned in a lot of meetings, but it says I have to practice these principles in all affairs. And what are the principles? They're the principles of how I should be, how I should live, the character of God. And if I do that and practice love and tolerance and service to God and others, then I'll be free of the bondage of self. It's a continuous process. So I'll stop there. And I did in less than 28 minutes, Dick. So we're good, and uh, we'll open it up. Thank you. I hope it was helpful.